Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode, I guess, because it's not a series. It's not a new series. It's just an episode, an NHL mid-season recap. Whew, this is going to be good. I haven't been able to do a standalone NHL episode until today. We've been incorporating hockey talk the past few weeks, you know, past few months, actually. It's been a while since we've added hockey talk to the mix on our normal Monday episodes, and here we are on a nice, bright Thursday morning you're listening right away at 8 a.m thank you all for joining us on our busy five maybe six episode week for jordan and drew the sports crew my name is jordan lorenz on solo duty here today and drew skyberg he's getting himself into hockey a little bit we went to the holiday face-off that was called the badgers beat providence we went to the second day so we saw the third place in championship game my goodness what an upset badgers with a shootout win shootouts are the most exciting thing in sports no one can tell me otherwise but yeah i mean he did that. He joined fantasy hockey. He's got a he's a three and zero in a league. He showed me so good things all around there. But we're here today to talk about the All Star game, the All Star, everything that happened. You know, in the mix, the skills competition, especially. That's what I just wanted to start off with, real quick. Connor McDavid was not the fastest skater. He won it three times, but uh uh-uh, uh, but he didn't win it this time around. Cam Talbot. Minnesota Wild, if you know me, I'm a big Minnesota Wild fan, and sadly Cam Talbot did not do too well in the save streak. I still think it was Soros' fault from the Predators. I think Cam Talbot did pretty incredible. We'll talk about his performance in the All-Star game when we get there, but other than that, the Fountain Face-Off, this thing was absolutely beautiful. I didn't watch it all, I just watched parts of it, and my goodness, I mean, just being on the strip of Las Vegas, first of all, Being at the Fountains of Bellagio, I mean, this could not have been any more beautiful, I guess, is one way to put it. The way they were just out there in the middle of the water, and they've got all these fountains, man, it was great. It was really, really good stuff to watch the fountain face off, and it's good to see them incorporating some new things as well. I mentioned the fastest skater, I didn't watch that. Hardest shot, I didn't watch as well. I watched like the first bit, and then I was like, okay. I've seen enough. You know what I mean? Like, they each get two shots. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I just recorded it, and then after that, just skipped through and watched whatever I wanted to. The Breakaway Challenge. Oh, man. This was great. I mean, it was was rigged. Let's be honest. It was rigged from the start, so Vegas could end up winning. But, man, Grill Kaprizov comes out, starts out hot, gives a tribute to Alto Vechkin, who I talked about. Jordan is just through the sports grip, so 48 this past Monday. Just a beautiful, beautiful thing from such a young, bright upstart in the sport. And it says Kuznetsov called Ovechkin, who had to skip all Rican because he's in COVID protocol, and Ovechkin gave him the thumbs up. Because uh, before that, I should say, the Minnesota Wild forward didn't find out he'd be in the breakaway challenge until Thursday, and he had to come up with something. He approached Capitals forward Kuznetsov with the idea, and that's when Kuznetsov called Ovechkin. So I mixed up the two lines there, but you got the point at the end of the day. And Jack Hughes still in the show, right? I mean, oh my goodness. And doing a little magic trick, going to the box, comes out a little mini Jack Hughes, some kid. That was a ton of fun. And then, I mean, this there is a blindfolded goal. There's dodgeball the movie in there hangover the movie with some of the other people the breakaway challenge obviously you guys like your slam dunk contest if you're basketball fans the breakaway challenge is just like that and it was so good so much fun to watch and only other thing i really wanted to mention was the 21 in 22 the blackjack that they played 
Joe Pavlesky, oh my goodness, this man was a sharp shooter. He could not miss. And it actually got to the point. They didn't have enough cards. Like, everyone was still getting 21s. They were doing well. And they just didn't have enough cards. And all of a sudden, thing had to end because he got the 21. And boom, that was it. A little deflating way to end if you really kind of got screwed out of it. I guess didn't get to shoot. But yeah, Pavlesky, beautiful, beautiful job. And he continued that. Him and Jack Hughes in the All-Star game, so, so good. I usually don't watch a whole lot of it. I missed the first game. And then I caught the second half of the second game. And I was able to watch a good chunk of the championship game, but it's always nice when you're actually playing for a reward, a million dollars, and the MVP gets a car. I mean, that is certainly, certainly a reward. Claude Guerrero won the MVP, as we saw the Metropolitan Division win for, I think, like the first time in six years. So, Metro and Pacific, I missed this game. Wasn't able to watch it, but it was supposedly a snooze fest. I mean, this thing was not interesting at all. 6-4 was the final, but, yeah, all they were talking about was just how uninteresting it was and it was just slow and it wasn't really like your normal all-star game the Atlantic and Central picked it up here after and Cam Talbot had a, such a huge game they were talking about potentially maybe he would end up getting the MVP and it would have been the first time in quite a while but he didn't do too well in the second game an 8-5 win for the Central over the Atlantic I was excited I was yes Kirill Kaprizov Cam Talbot getting to go to the championship game Machine Gun Kelly performed in between it. I mean, it was Vegas. They went all out for this. And then in the championship game, the final was 5-3. to three. Cam Talbot giving up four goals in the first half. That is also something we should mention, that in the All-Star game, it's 3-on-3. Three three, you know, like it is in overtime, and you play 10-minute halves. And seeing as you play three games, you know what I mean? Like, two team, two divisions play, two divisions play, break, and then teams play again. It's better off for everything, but... Yeah, that was it. The Metropolitan Division gets the win. So good for the Metropolitans. We'll talk about standings coming up. But I got a little bit of news I wanted to mention, kind of all breaking a Wednesday as I was going to record. And how about this one? The Canadians have said goodbye to Dominique Ducharme. And this is coming off season where you go to the Stanley Cup. And now here you are right now, Habs fans. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? I mean, eight wins on the year? Are you kidding me? Eight wins for the Canadians this year? I believe they have the worst record in hockey. And something needed to change, and finally it did. So I'll talk about the standings in a minute. But yeah, eight wins, I'm looking right now, is indeed the lowest. And usually that's the Coyotes, but uh uh-uh. And the Kraken are even doing better than that. Kraken have nearly double the amount of wins. But yeah, so... Martin St. Louis is now the interim head coach of this Montreal Canadiens team, and I don't know what's going to happen with this team. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to move forward, try and figure things out, but Dominique Ducharme, good luck, buddy. Good luck in your future trying to find, I don't even know what's going to happen anymore. I really don't. Tukarask, Boston Bruins, all-time winningest goaltender, has retired 15 seasons in the league. He was having some injury issues and stuff like that, but ultimately decided to hang it up finally, and after such an illustrious career, there's really no wrongdoing in this at all. There's a nice big post on the Twitter, on the Boston Bruins Twitter. You can go ahead and find it, but yeah, number 40, Rosk, is no longer pretty sad, and I'm just going to read the start of it. Today is a day that I hoped would never come, but now that it's here, I feel I owe it to everyone to hear it from me. 
When I made the decision to have surgery on my hip last summer, I did so knowing that the road to recovery would be challenging. I also knew it was something I would have to do if I wanted to give myself a chance to play my best hockey again, the rehab, the workouts, the practices, all of it was at the intention of getting back to where I needed to be to help my teammates win games and make another run at the Stanley Cup. Over these past few weeks, I've realized that my body is not responding the way it needs to for me to play at the level I expected of myself and that my teammates and Bruins fans deserve. So, I mean, I kind of messed things up at the end there, but ultimately you got the point. And Tukarask, I mean, give him a round of applause, but what a career. What a career for the Boston Bruins goaltender. And now you move on, right? I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was going to hang it up when he got traded from the Vegas Gold Knights to Chicago Blackhawks, but he didn't. And Rask, I mean, I'm sure some people saw this one coming for sure, but today, actually, or yesterday, on Wednesday, finally hung it up for good and announcing his retirement from the game of hockey. So let's check out the standings. Let's move on. And we talk about the standings, you know, once in a while on Jordan Drew the Sports Crew on our normal episodes. We talk about it and not a whole lot has changed, obviously. We're at the All-Star break and right now the Carolina Hurricanes 31-10-3, 65 points. The Eastern Division is stacked. You've got the Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins, both with 64 points, 30-13-4. The Rangers, 28-11-8 are the Pittsburgh Penguins. You get two points for a win, no points for a loss, and one for an overtime loss. So, if you're new to the world of hockey, Carolina Hurricanes have 65 points. You get that. 31, that's how many wins they have. Multiply that by two. It's going to end up with 62. You get two points for a win, as I said, and then you get one point for an overtime loss. They have three of them. 62 plus three is 65. That makes up the points aspect of the standings. Even the Capitals, not far behind. 59 points. They are going to be great when they get Alex Ovechkin back, but otherwise they just got to wait right now. And the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders all sitting pretty low with 37 and 38 points respectively. Columbus Blue Jackets with 43 at 21, 22, and 1. Eh, you know, you're middle of the road. Probably not going to be able to do a whole lot as we move to the Atlantic, the other part. Ah, I said the Eastern Division, did I? Not the Metropolitan, I meant Eastern Conference. That was a Metropolitan Division. Now to the Atlantic Division, the Florida Panthers, 32, 10, and 5. One of, if not the best teams in hockey. And with 69 points, they have the most right now, which is crazy to think. Tampa Bay looking to go back-to-back, two-back, has 66 points. They're sitting in second place, and obviously we talked about Montreal. They're at the bottom of this Atlantic division. The Maple Leafs with 63 points, 30-10-3, they can do a bunch to stay in it. I mean, Tampa right now has three more overtime losses, and that's it. Otherwise, the records are virtually identical, as one Mike Goldberg would say. And the Boston Bruins, they have been getting hot. We'll be talking stats coming up, but I mean, the Bruins have a few key players on their team that are certainly going to help them move forward in the rest of the season. Going over to the Western, the Central Division is spearheaded by the Colorado Avalanche, as you would all expect. 68 points, just one behind that, of the Florida Panthers. So it's the Panthers, the Avalanche, and the Lightning with the most points in the NHL. That's your 1-2-3, record of the Avalanche. They've only lost two home games this year. They're 9-0-1 oh, 
in their last 10, and they're coming off a loss, actually. So, Nashville Predators, one point higher than the Minnesota Wild. Wild are 28-11-3. Nashville's 28-14-4. So, I mean, right there, Nashville has three more losses than the Wild and one more overtime loss. That's that one-point separation. The Wild had a few games canceled earlier on and just stuff going around with COVID and this and that whatnot, but at the end of the day, just one point shy in Nashville, and I saw in the power rankings, they had the Wild at number one, Now I'm sure some people disagree with that, it's the Wild have played the least amount of games in the Central by one, but still, man, and then the Coyotes at the bottom, 11-31-4, with 26 points, so then the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights back up top once again, 28-16 and 3-59 points, For the Golden Knights, they've been struggling a little recently, but I'm sure they'll get back on track. They've won their last three, and that's thankfully been getting them up, because otherwise they would not have been doing too well. The Kings, 55 points, as do the Ducks, so they're both four points behind, but I mean, you look at it, Vegas Golden Knights, 59 points, that leads the Pacific. Colorado leads with 68, 69 for Florida, and then 65 for Carolina. There's quite a big difference right now in the point margin. The Calgary Flames with 52, and then it kind of drops off a little bit. 49 for the Edmonton Oilers, who obviously just got their new guy, Evander Kane. 48 for San Jose and Vancouver. Then the Kraken with 34. Kraken and Vegas, both the newest teams in the National Hockey League. Both of them in the Pacific Division, and I think... A lot of people knew that what Vegas did in their first year, getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, was not going to be replicated with Seattle. And they drafted a defensive first lineup. They're 5-5 five five in their last 10, 6-13-2 on the road, 9-14-2 at home. Not too great to start the year. 159 goals allowed. That is the most in the Pacific by a good margin. And it's by 17. So they have 159 goals allowed. I'm looking. Arizona has 174 allowed, so... That's a little more, and Montreal has 179, but still. Seattle Kraken, they'll figure themselves out. Only time will tell what we're going to get with that team. Stat leaders in the world of hockey. Taking a look at it right now, 64 points for Jonathan Huberto. 64 leads. Leon Drassel is 63, just one underneath them. And then McDavid and Kadri both with 60. Ovi's at 59. Rantanen and Goudreau with 54. Matthews and Kirill Kaprizov, our guy, Kirill the Thrill with 53. And then that's that's basically it for the points. I mean, I just wanted to get Kaprizov in there to round things off. And that's just points, right? Points combines your goals and assists. Looking at just goals, Chris Kreider. Leads the way, not even in the conversation for points totals. He's got 33 goals as a member of the New York Rangers. Drastudel with 32, Austin Matthews 31, Ovechkin with 29. And I mean, that's kind of the main ones. Then it goes down to 26, and then there's some 25s and 24s. But Jonathan Huberto, 47 assists. That'll certainly put you at the top of the point margin, when 47 of your 64 points come by way of the assist. The next closest is Kadri with 41. Kadri, obviously, of the Colorado Avalanche. Adam Fox with 40. So that's, I mean, the Rangers. They've got Creator with 33 goals leading the way, and then Fox in third for assists with 40. Not bad at all. Connor McDavid with 37. And Kirill Kaprizov sitting at the bottom of the list showing on NHL.com with 30. 
four. So there's what you got. Those are the skaters and then their defensemen. We've got a list for them as well. Adam Fox leads the way. Fox just mentioned him in assists with 40. He leads the way in points with 47. So do the math and figure out he's got seven goals so far on the season. Cal McCarr, 18 goals leading the way for defensemen. Next closest is Roman Yossi. I love this player of Nashville. He's got himself 13 goals. And that's basically the main ones there for the defensemen. And obviously Adam Fox, we know, leads the way with 40 assists. Next is Victor Hedman with 37. So, rookies, there's not a whole lot to look at, but Lucas Raymond leads the points by three. Trevor Zagras with 32, as does Anton Lundell. Both of those players with 32 points for the rookies. Not a whole lot else to mention there. Jamie Drysdale with 19 Anaheim Ducks. Talk about a nice young stud coming up. Most shutouts in the league belongs to Jacob Markstrom with seven. The Flames goaltender with seven shutouts. Jack Campbell and Ila Sorokan with four each. So that'll do it there. Marc-Andre Fleury on this list as well with three. Love that, man. Save percentage. Huso is a 941 save percentage for the St. Louis Blues. And, I mean, that's that's pretty good, if you ask me. 94.1% of the time, Milio So is going to make a save. And you can't go wrong with that. Capo Kakinen of the Minnesota Wild with a 924 save percentage, the backup goaltender. So, obviously, some of these are going to be a little more suede I guess you know than others Jacob Markstrom with a 923 at the bottom but yeah goals allowed average you know who it is it's who so baby 1.9 the man who leads with the best save percentage also leads with least goals allowed 1.9 a game and then next closest is 2.08 for Frederick Anderson then it kind of moves up 2.1, 2.2, 2.21, 2.23, 2.2, for the 10th spot. And it's basically what I wanted to talk about, just get a hold of the stat leaders and see who is on top for the National Hockey League. But we're going to finish with a little Minnesota Wild talk. Cam Talbot, 27 games as a goaltender, he holds 8. 18 and 8 record, 18 8 and 1 record, I should say. Can't forget the one. Allowing 2.81 goals per game, a 913 save percentage in 1,580 minutes on the ice. Kakanen is not doing too bad. 15, or pardon me, 10 3 and 2 record. He's not 15 and 10. 10 3 and 2 record, 501 saves on the year, allowed 38 goals compared to the 74 of Cam Talbot. You take the minutes into consideration, obviously, in 935 minutes. He's got a 924 save percentage, as we said, 2.44 goals allowed. Kakinen and Talbot is one heck of a combo. I mean, you can't really go wrong with what those two are doing behind the goal. And Kakinen has been a rising star lately. Cam Talbot was the one in the All-Star game, but watch out. For Capo Kakinen moving forward, such a fun name to say as well. Kirill Kaprizov still leads the way in points for this Minnesota Wild team with 53. 34 of those 53 are assists, 19 goals, which does indeed lead the team. Ryan Hartman with 18, Marcus Foligno with 17, Matt Zuccarello 14, Kevin Fiala 13, Joel Eriksson-Eck with 13. Those are the ones in double digits. Nico Sturm give a shout out to him as well with 8 goals. 
Kaprizov also leads the team in assists. He's got 34. Zuccarello with 28. Gleski 23. Fiala 21. Dumbo with 16. Matt Dumbo's a name we haven't been saying a whole lot this season. He's got 20 points. Not too bad. A 9 plus minus, but certainly not the plus minus of Ryan Hartman. A 32 plus minus. Gleski with 26. Felino with 21. Zuccarello with 20. I mean, some high, high plus minuses. And just overall with points, Kaprizov first, Zuccarello second with 42, which is 11 less than Kirill Kaprizov, 34 for Kevin Fiala, 33 for Ryan Hartman, and then there's a few others over 20, including Dumba, EE as I call him, Joel Eriksson, Galeski, and Folino, all of them with 20 or more, and then a shout out to Jonas Brodeen as well with 18. So there's a lot of players you could give a shout out to on this team, but we're going to be needing, uh, Wild fans need a lot moving forward because this schedule seriously picks up. They just came off a loss on Tuesday night, and I let them play again until Saturday, the game at home, hosting the Carolina Hurricane next week. I mean, if we're going Sunday to Sunday, or Monday to Sunday, I should say, the 14th through the 20th, they've got four games. They're playing every other day. I mean, you're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, and then you're playing... After that, you're playing Monday, or you're playing Tuesday, you're playing Thursday, you're playing Saturday. I mean, this schedule is consistently busy. And then they've got a period where, at the start of March, they're playing back-to-backs on the road. Thursday, March 3rd, they're at Philadelphia. Friday, March 4th, they're at Buffalo. How about this? Thursday the 10th, they're at Detroit. Friday the 11th, they're at Columbus. I mean, this schedule, from the 1st to the 13th, they play a total of eight times. Eight times in that span. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The schedule has picked up so much. From the 21st to the 31st, they're playing six times in March. I mean, this schedule gets unreal. You got to hope that everyone stays healthy because I'm looking all the way in April and it's more of the same. You've got a game April 8th, April 10th, April 12th, April 14th, 16th, 17th. 19th, 21st, 22nd, 24th, 26th, 28th, and 29th. I mean, that's just, I don't even want to count how many games that is. From the 8th until the 29th. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games in the span of four weeks. It's unreal. It's unreal what this team is going to be doing to end the year, but hopefully the Minnesota Wild can stay strong and keep playing the way they are, and it is going to be a wild, if I can use that pun, a wild way to end the year, but that's what we got at this point in time. Keeping her under half an hour, as I said I would. We'll see some more NHL episodes. Last year we did a bracket challenge. Maybe this year we'll open it up to the general public, and we'll get some more people in there. We'll have to see what we do. March Madness is coming up as well. I mean, hockey playoffs are always wait. You don't got to worry about it. March Madness is the big one coming up soon. If you want to get into the world of hockey, get ESPN+. Plus. Get ESPN+. Plus. You can watch basically every game. They've got special hockey night presentations where it's the true ESPN crews doing games on ESPN+. Plus. I'm actually missing right now as I record on TNT. Gotta love Wayne Gretzky and the crew. They do the pregame, and then they got back-to-back doubleheaders every Wednesday on TNT. So you can't go wrong. There's so much hockey to go around and, you know, 
we get blacked out and we can't watch the Wild on ESPN+. Plus. But other than that, I love hockey and I love ESPN+. Plus and what they're doing for the NHL, the new deal has been great. And I can't wait to see how the playoffs go, how the ratings are, and just overall what's happening in the world of the NHL moving forward. A lot of news and notes to pass your way in this one. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget tomorrow, Journey to a Million special guest. Still yet to reveal who that special guest will be. Maybe I'll be back Sunday for a UFC recap. But otherwise, episode 49 of the Sports Crew coming up on Monday. And that's all I got, guys. Thank you for listening to another edition of Jordan and Drew, the Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you.